Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, better, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance, I left my executive role to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of Live Media, I am thrilled to create wellness-based content and technologies to help you level up and become more conscious of your ripple. The Live app launched Christmas Day for Apple iOS. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a beautiful place for us to share our gold, our dreams, and create community. Gold is a Live Media production brought to you from the sound studio at the Live headquarters. Sylvester McNutt believes in the beauty of duality and allowing all aspects of self to be accepted and explored. He is the best-selling author of eight books, an inspirational speaker, YouTuber, and podcaster who explores ideas around healing, self-love, and finding yourself. Today, Sylvester and I dig into the concept of duality and have a deep, beautiful conversation about the birth and life of an author and creator. He shares the story of how he found his vulnerability and his voice in the pages of his notebooks. We talked about the importance of authenticity online and the advice he is often asked for by his readers. Let's dig in. I'm so excited to introduce to the Gold audience, Sylvester McNutt. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to you and to uh, share some time with your audience. Oh, I love that. I um, I have been paying attention to you for a while, and you are a soulful creator. Um, I know that you have several books out and have really built a platform in self-development. And everything that, that comes from your content has been so inspirational. And there's a couple of things that I was hoping that we could kind of chat about today. Um, and one of them specifically, you talked about duality, which I think is a really interesting subject because we have a tendency to kind of disavow the darker parts of ourselves or the things that we don't like about ourselves. And I was hoping that you could share with me like what your impression is of duality, what it means to you and why it's important for us to embrace it. I believe that there's a lot that we don't understand in life and that there's this idea uh, and this image that a lot of us want to embrace and accept that we do, we do know, or that we already know, or that we already have the answers, or because something used to work in the past is going to work in the future, and, and it's just this concept of knowing uh, that I feel like a lot of people want to know, and just knowing gives people more confidence and uh, I guess direction and understanding. Uh, but the truth is, is that we don't always know, and just because something did work in the past, it doesn't mean it's going to work in the future. And because of that, there's just, there's just like this, this duality of not knowing. Uh, and so a lot of us get caught up in, in my opinion, wanting to know. But the truth is, is there's so much we don't know, even if you take an expert in any field. You know, if you take an expert carpenter, they may be the best carpenter in the world, but they may not even know how to change their own oil in the car. So it's about to me, it's just about accepting like this duality of, yeah, you may be an expert or you may be, for me, I'm an author of eight books, but there's so much I don't know. There's so many things that I can't speak to. And with that, I think a lot of people um, feel like this element of shame when they don't know, when they can't openly admit, hey, I don't know. Like, I don't know the answer. I don't know what's going on. I don't know the best path. 
I need yeah. help. I need to talk. I need, I need more information. There's like this element of shame because it feels like the culture only respects people who are large and in charge. And uh, I don't agree with that personally. I, I like to refuse to accept that for my own personal ideology. And that's something that I try to talk to my, my readers and listeners about is just accepting that it's okay to not know. It's okay to, you know, be lost. It's okay to be confused. It's okay to still be in a process of figuring it out. It's okay to be in a process of learning where you are and just like accepting that duality of knowing versus not knowing. And it goes deeper than that. It's not just about knowing and not knowing. It's also about duality, in my opinion. It's something I'm still learning, but it's also something that accepting different parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, depending on how you meet me, you know, you're going to have a different perspective of me, just like every other person. If you're, you know, the manager at Wells Fargo Bank, and I go in there and I meet you at Wells Fargo Bank, we're in a professional setting, so you're going to be respectful and be tactful. You're going to be mindful of your appearance and, and how you talk to people. But if I meet you at a Sunday fun day and you're out with your friends and family, you're going to be engaged. You're going to engage with me completely different. So there's a duality there. So the question is, you know, a lot of times people talk about, oh, this person's fake. That person's fake. But what is fake? I mean, what is fake? The person at their job, you know, the person who's at Wells Fargo doing it, he's a manager. He's doing his job. And he's respecting the, the, the confines of that environment. And he's being tactful and respectful to customers. But now on a Sunday, I catch him, that same manager, he's out, you know, her, he's out with, you know, family and friends and comfortable and, you know, turning up, doing a shot, getting a drink, just, how is that fake? You know, that's duality. That is the duality. And it is, to me, is to accept that you have both ends, that you have multiple spectrums of who you are. And, like, this whole idea of, you have to be one way. Uh, it's kind of it relates to like knowing and not knowing. Like you don't have to know. You don't have to be one way. Duality is just accepting of all of total behavior. So that's I guess that's my theory on it right now. I think for me, it's really interesting because I, you know, I'm in this community of wellness and self-development and we talk about how we're spiritual, but then you still get road rage, right? And you still have moments where you're angry and you can't be in this state of constant, like, um, I don't know what you'd call it, like omness, like you're just like Zen all the time. And, you know, I've seen those memes where someone's like, yeah, I'm, I'm spiritual, but I'll yell at you if you cut me off in traffic. And... It's so funny because I've had people in the past, you know, and I I had a job in corporate America and they would see me interact with my clients versus how I spend time with my friends. And I did get a little bit of a hard time about that because they're like, oh, you're you're turning it on. Well, no, these are all aspects of my personality. These are all aspects of, of who I am and how I relate to others. And I think one of the things that's important to me is that people recognize that we have both light and darkness, right? We have both positive and negative and neutral. There's parts of us that are completely neutral, but still absolutely available and and should be kind of um, appreciated and witnessed. I did appreciate one thing that you said specifically, though, when you were talking about how we don't have to know it all and there's shame in not knowing it all. And 
it's so incredibly true because we look at everyone around us as if they have the answers. And what you find most times is that when they really peel it back and boil it down and get honest with you, we are all just making like the next best decision that we possibly can based on our life experience, based on things that we read or conversations we have. They're all just really educated guesses if you if you get down, right down to it. And I think that there's such courage in being vulnerable enough to say, I don't know. Like this is an area where I, I need help. And I, I did that recently with someone. I, I called an expert um, regarding a company that I'm building. And I said, I know that my background is in finance, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know this piece. And you're the first person that I finally said, like, I don't know what I'm doing in this area. Will you help me? And he was like all in, like, of course I'll help you. This is what I'm great at. This is what I know how to do. And I think people don't realize or don't take into account. There are a lot of people in the world who want to help you. If you can be vulnerable enough and open enough to like stand in front of them and show them your humanity. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think being a student is the key. And uh, I mean, that's one of my common themes that I always think about. And um, I always want to just stay in tune with it is being a student. You know, with the invention of social media and like using social media, uh, what, what can happen is you can, I don't know, you can become an expert. You know, say you're a yoga instructor, you have, you know, 100,000 followers on, say, Facebook or YouTube. Know, that's a big following and that's a, a lot of people looking at you for you know your yoga tutorials uh, but to me the, the best teacher is one who's always a student one who is always willing to learn you know and um, even if you are a professional even if you are on the top one percent just always staying committed to learning and uh, I think that helps well, like you said you went to that to that expert and you just kind of open yourself up to it but what would happen if you didn't? What would happen if you just said, oh, I already know. I'm, I'm good. I don't care. It's like, <laughs> right. you'd be stuck. You'd be stuck at zero. But you were willing to, like, ask for that help. Mm-hmm. And then some, some answers came to you. But also, you know, sometimes you can't ask for help. Sometimes you just have to try. You know, personally, as an often, my phone rings every single day, whether it's a direct message, a phone call, a text, a friend from college that I have to see. And someone asks me, Hey, I want to be an author. What advice do you have? Um, I don't have any advice, actually. I really don't. I could give you a lot of different things, but it's really going to be what works for me. You know, um, here, I'm going to read you a quote that I saw this morning, actually, on that topic. Because I, say, I saved it. Okay, so this quote actually comes from R.L. Stein, who was one of my first favorite authors. He wrote the Goosebumps um, series. You familiar yeah, with that? of course. Yeah. I literally would read these books every single night when I was a kid. Um, I obsessed about these books. When the new ones would come out, I would buy them. Well, I wouldn't buy them. My mother would buy them for me. And I would read them in one day. <laughs> and she, she would always say, like, why do you read these books so fast? And um, I honestly think, like, my my path to becoming an author really started with just, like, falling in love with reading and, mm-hmm. and just falling in love with how, you know, people like R.L. Stein, um, who else did I like? Alfred Hitchcock, he was, you know, movie director. But, like, I really love watching, uh, he had this show called, uh, what was the name of that show? Do you remember the name of that show? Mm-mm. Uh, it came out, like, in the 60s. It was black and white. I can't think of the name of it. 
I only think of like the birds when I think of Hitchcock. I think of like all those scary movies. <laughs> Hold on, it's it's going to kill me if I don't remember the name of this. So let me look it up because I feel like they're doing a re a reboot with um with Jordan Peele. Let's see. So he did Psycho, Rear Window, Vertigo. That movie. That movie. The Birds. Yeah. I always think of that one scene from The Birds where all the, like, at the, at the very end, it's terrifying. I don't remember Psycho with the shower scene, but those are, like, the cult, you know, the, the pop culture favorites. But he was, he was a gifted, he was a gifted director. Yeah, gifted director, great writer. He had the vision. Same with, like, R.L. Stein. Like, these people could just invoke so much emotion out of you. Here's a quote. So someone asked him, uh, what advice do you have for people who want to be writers? I say they don't really need advice. They know they want to be writers, and they know they're going to do it. Those people who who that know, who really, really know they're they cut out for this, they just know it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel. You know, I feel like if you're if you just know you're cut out for something, sometimes you don't need that advice. Sometimes you don't even need to know how to do it. Sometimes you just need to try, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna lose, and you're gonna fail, and then you just like Aaliyah said, pick yourself up and try again. And you just keep trying. And you just keep trying. And eventually something is going to click. You're going you're, you're going to start your natural learning process. I think that's so valuable because I know for me, so I've been writing since publicly since 2009. And my book came out in 2018. And thank you. It's called Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future. It's it's It was a book years and years in the making but it was it was grinding and learning and i i am so i think it's so valuable to talk about why it's important to be that seeker and that constant student because for me it was i was always reading about what i needed to do i was going to conferences and i'm an i'm a voracious reader i have a huge library. It's very hard for me to get rid of books once I buy them. <laughs> like I have like an emotional attachment to books. And I think it's such valuable advice though, because I have a lot of people also reach out to me and ask me about writing, getting published. And um, now that I have an app out, they're like, well, how do you build an app? And I'm like, that's such a huge question to unpack. Like there's wow. so much there. Like I'd have to create an entire masterclass to explain how to create an app. And I think that separates, not that there's anything wrong with asking questions and going to people who know more than you and asking them for advice, but you also have to have, and this is what I would say, is that when someone asks me, how do you, how do I become an author or get published or how do I create an app? One of the things I say to them is like, it's like 75 to 80% of it is you. Like you can hire really great developers or you can have an amazing editor, but you have to want it bad enough. No one's going to take your hand and be like, okay, come on. You've had this great idea. Let me do this for you. Like with, with my most recent company, like I'm having to learn how to handle digital marketing. I don't know how to do any of it, but I sure have ordered a bunch of books and taken a bunch of online courses so that I can figure out how to handle funnels and tracking and analytics because that's what you do when you want something. You continue to seek and to educate yourself so that you can build that that thing that you most desire. When you when you got your first book published, did you like what was your celebration? Did you were you like, "Oh my god, I've done it?" Like what was your thought process? No, uh, it wasn't it, there really wasn't any celebration, uh, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, 
So I kind of had to go back and, and just, I wanted to always be an author. I always wanted to write books. Um, but I was in acting first. Uh, high school, career track, and football. In college, I played football as well. And then when I was in college, uh, I was studying communications. And, um, you know, I knew I wanted to be a speaker and a writer, so I had classes that helped me with that, um, classes that, that taught me the history uh, of writing and how to structure sentences and structure words. And, you know, I failed a poetry class my junior year. I failed a poetry class. My teacher, she hated me. Um, you know, I remember, I'll never forget, she was one of my biggest motivations. I fell to class and uh, we had this assignment. And I, I write very introspectively and I use myself and the stories that I've been through to kind of illustrate the points or what, what I'm talking about. Uh, and then I also use other stories that I've observed. And I use story, storytelling to kind of move the book. That's how. I mean, any great writer, any great creator is going to create. There's always going to be a story out of it. You guys, big news. We heard you loud and clear, and I can't wait to show you what we've been working on behind the scenes. Today Gold is brought to you by Live Media and the Live Pocket Coach, available on the Apple App Store now. Not only is Live like a life coach in your pocket, but we have just dropped our biggest upgrade, which includes Live Circles. These are accountability groups you create with your friends and colleagues to support one another. You can share links, upload files, audio clips, and hold each other accountable. In addition to personal circles, we've also created something incredible curated themed circles led by coaches on specific topics that we know interest you. The very first one, Next Level Love. Join me for 90 days of visualizations, talks, and interviews with relationship experts, dating coaches, and chat sessions to work on ourselves, our stories, and learn how to date and love intentionally. This is for the people who want to take their love life to the next level. The team at Live has worked so hard to provide you something special, and since we love giving gifts and self-development is our thing, we have a special offer. While you have enjoyed a VIP experience with Live for free 99 since Christmas, this upgrade is valuable. No one is doing what we are doing. So if you opt in before the end of our first curated group, May 18th, 2020, you can get Live Pocket Coach for $99 for the year. This gives you access to all of our content, accountability circles, both yours and ours. That is $8.25 a month to change your life. Shoot over to loveisviral.com to sign up or shoot us an email at hello at loveisviral.com with live99 in the subject line. We will set you up and get you all the codes that you need. This offer won't last, so sign up now and here is to you and the best decision you've made today. Live Pocket Coach, welcome to your life. And then 
<laughs> he got a, uh, I think it was called the West Nile virus back in Illinois at the time. There was like mosquitoes going around getting people these viruses. So the university, anyone who got stung by one of those mosquitoes, the university excused them for however long it was. You know? So he got excused from the class for six weeks. <laughs> so for six weeks, he he wasn't even there. He passed the class with a B. I went. <laughs> walked in the Midwest cold to class and I felt it. And it was one of those it was one of those things like when I got to F, I wasn't even upset. I was just like, oh okay. Well, you know, I, I kinda saw it coming. But uh it was really that class. Like that was the class that I was like, okay, I'm gonna be coming off it because I gotta I gotta prove that she was wrong. She told me that my words didn't connect. She said that my words should never connect to people and that it wasn't good. Uh, okay. Uh, and so I took that and I practiced every, like, every single day. Even though I was in football, even though I was in college, I practiced every day. I just would like, I would write stories in my notebook. I would write poems. I would write songs. I wrote like a hundred songs. I can't sing at all, but <laughs> I wrote a whole bunch of songs. You know, and I just really, really like dedicated myself. So what ended up happening was when I got my first my um, first, like, big boy job at a corporation, I was working at a, uh, a telecommunications company doing sales. Started there in uh, 2010. Um, so, you know, I really went all the way in. It's really hard to be, you know, one foot in the door, one foot out with anything. You really have to commit to, to whatever you're doing in life. So I just went all the way in. So I'm just, I'm learning sales, I'm learning the systems, I'm learning, you know, how, you know, how corporate America works with networking meeting people. I went to different um, sales seminars to try to learn the process. I was naturally good at it. Uh, as an athlete, that's the best type of people they try to hire is former athletes just because we have like, that natural competitive nature. Uh, but I'm, I'm a tough person that I really want the skills. I really want to learn the skills. So I really like dedicate myself to learning. And I put my writing on the back burner. So for about a year, I didn't write anything. And that was probably the hardest year like, of my adult life because I was so disconnected from something that brought me so much joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that second year of my corporation, I uh, it was fun. I skipped the Sunday fun day. I used to host Sunday fun day and all that stuff. And I skipped the Sunday fun day. And I just went home and I just started writing again. I ended up writing like for six hours. And this was physical writing with the pen and paper and the notebook. For like six hours, I just wrote. And you know, then it was then I realized that even though I loved the job and I was grateful for the opportunity, I realized it was going to be time for me to really, really commit to being an author again. But there was no time. I had I really had no time because I was working full time. Uh, so what I what I did was I figured out a system. So I'm going to tell you the system. Basically, work was anywhere from about seven to eight. The, there was an opening shift, a mid shift, and a closing shift. So it just depends. You know, you can work 12 to 8, you can work 7 to 5, you can work 10 to 6, it just depends on the shift. So, and the schedule always varied. My manager really liked me, so she gave me Mondays and Tuesdays off. So, I'm sorry, she gave me Sundays and Mondays off. So that, that helped me a lot. Because she gave me Sundays and Mondays off, I use Sundays, I watch Chicago Bears moves, to hang out with friends and family, to do all of that social stuff. I use Mondays, I lock myself in my house, and I literally wrote all day. 
I just practice writing all day. I didn't answer any calls. They do anything. I didn't read. I just wrote. I just practiced writing. And I got to the point where every Monday I was able to write between about four and eight thousand words in a day. Wow. Well, with four to eight thousand words, that's a short story. You can write a short story. So every single week I was just writing a short story, writing a short story every single week. And I wasn't doing anything with them. So I ended up looking one day, uh, this is on my computer now, I'm looking at the computer and I had about 90 stories on the computer. So then it was at that point that I put my very first, I just self-published my very first, uh, what you call it, a novella, short novel. Mm-hmm. I just put it on Amazon just because I wanted to do something with it. There was typos in there. It wasn't edited. I mean, it was, it was not good. It was not good. It was the messy Anybody start. Who, oh, it was, it was awful. You know, looking back 10 years ago, it was awful. But I'm, I'm glad I did it because it gave me a starting point. Mm-hmm. Because someone bought the book. And then, like, three other people bought the book. And I didn't have a marketing budget. I didn't know how to market. I didn't know how to promote. I literally just put it out there. And it was awful. It was absolutely awful. <laughs> <laughs> just like my teacher said. <laughs> and... But when I got like a notification on the email that someone bought the book, I started laughing. I'm like, what? Someone <laughs> bought that? So then my same brother who was in my poetry class, I told him about it. I said, hey man, you know, you know, I told him about the whole process. So he said, Okay, send me send me the link. I want to read the book. So he reads the book and he called me. And he's like, I'll never forget. This is what changed it. He goes, Dude, I gotta come to your house. I gotta talk to you. So I say, okay. So we live right by each other. So he hopped the fence, came over to my house, and he goes into my closet. And he comes, and in my closet, I have like 15 notebooks. He brings them out. And he's like, you know, I've seen these notebooks, and I always just mind my business. But what, what, what's in here? And I'm just like, yeah, you know, those are just like stories I've been writing and stuff. And he, he goes, open them up. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to share with you. Because it was always just an intro. Yeah. Personal thing. Like, no, nah, I'm not going to share it with you. He's like, no, no, no. O- open it up. Open up any one of the reasons and stuff. So I just started reading up, like the songs I wrote, some of the stories, some of the poems. And he goes, this is the most serious I've ever seen him. And he says, if you don't share this stuff with the world, you are selling the world. Mm. And he goes, why is it? Sylvester, that you go so hard for that corporation. Go early, stay late, you skip lunches, you go to every meeting, you help every single customer. What would happen if you took that same energy and you put it into yourself and you put it into your writing? And I'm just like, uh, I don't know. What would happen? He said, you need to find out. And, I love your uh, brother. Yeah, he's he's great. That's amazing. I had like, it's so funny because I had a similar situation. I've been writing since I was 13 years old. I had a friend that died of leukemia when I was 13 and I didn't know how to process his death. And so my dad handed me my first journal because I think my dad was overwhelmed with me. He didn't know how to deal with me. And so he handed me my first journal and I started writing and I never stopped. And I was in my junior year in high school one of the teachers would have this thing where she put an assignment on the board. You'd walk in and for the first 10 minutes of class, you would take the words on the board and you'd make it whatever she says. Like today you're making a, you're writing a poem, you're doing a sonnet, you're doing a short story and here are the words you have to use. 
And I wrote one, and she started crying when she read it. And then she called me in her office after class, and she's like, I need to talk to you. So I was like, okay. So I go in her office. I was a little bit nervous. I was in trouble. And she's like, you have notebooks at home, don't you? And I was like, uh, yeah. She's like, you write. But to me, it was very personal and very private. And she's like, I want you to bring in every single one of your notebooks. And I was like, it's private. It's like, it's, you know, whatever. And it was, it's because it was soulful, right? It was stuff. I was 17 years old and I'm writing about feelings and love. And I don't know anything about any of that stuff. And so um, (laughs) I brought it into her and she literally, I still have one of them. And she put post-it notes through all of it. Like, keep writing, keep crafting. Your words are so powerful. You move, you can move people. Like, and through all the entire notebook. Um, but I still kept everything very private because my family was very much of the mindset, like, you need to make money. And to make money, you need to be in, like, banking. So I ended up in banking. And then I was married, and my ex-husband opened up a drawer one day and found stacks of notebooks and journals. And he's like, what is all of this? I'm like, it's nothing. It's private. Same conversation years later. Mm-hmm. And he went through them, and he's like, Jeanette, you're gifted. Like, you're talented. Like, people need to—, to you this this needs to be out there so that started me blogging in like 2009 and I was just like on this like crazy trajectory but I think most writers and authors you have to have a love affair with words it's less about um like you you don't do it because you're like I'm gonna like maybe you want to be a best-selling author and maybe you think that you can and maybe you want your books to be published and turned into movies but it's almost like you can't not write if that makes sense like I don't think, so those goals, I don't think those goals are motivational factors at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, like maybe, maybe for someone, but, uh, like you say, I really think it's more of a, like a, just an internal feeling, like an internal calling, um, just a, a way to express yourself. And, you know, like you mentioned your, your friend passing away, uh, for me, like the Genesis was when I was a kid, uh, my parents were not very open-minded first of all they were very very close-minded very religious and then they also were very like militant in their parenting styles um it wasn't really acceptable you know a lot you hear a lot of people nowadays talking about how they want men to be vulnerable well i mean it's not like parenting styles aren't really like conducive to that they're not they're not very open to that at least mine weren't so for me it was like the notebook i could be vulnerable in there and i could share whatever uh if they did something that i was displeased with or you know, trying to talk to a girl at school and I need to write words, I would just write them down in a notebook and practice with the notebook and then go talk to the girl after, <laughs> after I like amazing. rehearsed what I was going to say. You know? Right. So, you know, the whole stuff about, you know, hitting these, these lists and being a bestseller, I really think that's more of a, I think those type of goals can happen after you get published and get mm-hmm. like into the industry. But like as a genesis, no, I don't, I don't think, I don't think anyone has that type of goal, like in the beginning. And even so, I, if you do, I mean, you know, no shame for me. But I think that goal is kind of fleeting. I don't think those like success goals at the beginning are going to help you. Like, I really think it's more about the process, like just learning your own process, learning. Like you say, like you started writing about love and stuff you don't know anything about, and uh, you know, it's just learning what you like. You might like telling stories. You might do self help. You might yeah. do a uh, romance. You know, there's so many different ways. You know, sports writers, they don't, you know, there's so many different ways you can um, express yourself. And the other thing, like, I'm just an advocate for writing because I think it helps people understand themselves. Mm. You uh, you don't even have to get published. You don't even have, you know, you don't have to ever share it. You can just write your thoughts. Any person, I urge any person who's listening 
Um, you know, if you're dealing with some type of unruly emotions, uncertainty, confusion, man, get a notebook out. Just write, write some stuff down. You might, you might bring yourself so much clarity and healing just by getting it off your chest. I, I like, so part of my book was about the idea that you have to have a writing practice in order to heal from within. Because, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way, but it changed my life with the idea of just that subconscious um, free hand writing across the page, whatever you're dealing with. And and she calls it like becoming known to yourself, exactly what you were saying. Like that's how you learn what you're processing, what you're dealing with, what's going on within you. And almost every time I have someone come to me with a problem, I'm like, have you started writing? Like you can talk about it as much as you want, but until you get it out of your hand and so cathartic to like have it like leave your hand and and find its way across the page, um, you're not really going to be able to process it. And I, I truly, I mean, that's the first thing that I go back to whenever my mind feels like I'm feeling like kind of foggy or like I can't seem to make decisions. The first thing I go back to is my writing practice. It's immediate. What, what do, you, do you write every day for yourself? Like, do you journal or do you primarily write content for for your followers? Um, okay, so that's kind of tough to answer. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say that I write for my followers at all. Actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's more of the result of writing for myself, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I love that. I think especially in this like curated content world where everyone's like, push out content, push out content, push out content. It's funny. Cause like when you write for yourself and you have a tendency to be more of a I don't know. I get the word soulful keeps coming back to mind because you can tell that there's a lot of heart in your words. Um, and so I appreciate the fact that there's that, that distinction between the two that like, I don't write for my following, but it's a byproduct of, of you as a writer. Yeah. If you, so I can tell you, um, you know, flat out honest truth is that there was a time here that I did that. Uh, I was paying attention to trying to observe the quote unquote algorithm and mm-hmm. what content will spread more or what will go viral. Um, I spent about six months of my life trying to figure out how to write viral quotes. Uh, and um, this was, I think I had two or three books out at the time. And the like, idea behind that was if I get viral quotes, I will get more book sales. This was right after I actually quit my job. So I was in like a um, desperation place where I like, I needed my books to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, literally so I could eat food, you know, cause I didn't have anything else going on. I just committed to writing. Um, and, and looking back retrospectively, I'm grateful that I, I learned, but that time period was so hard creatively because it didn't feel organic. Yeah. And I felt like I was, um, uh, I felt like kind of what we were talking about earlier. Like we talked, we used the word fake. Like I felt like I was being fake and not mm-hmm. authentic to my own process. You know, my process has always, always been introspective. It's always been um, me talking about ideas that are prevalent to me that I need to express or get through or understand. You know, it was never about, I need to write this so for other people. And what happens is once you start developing uh, attention, once you start developing the following, then you start to think it's like a natural thing to do is you start to think about, okay, well, what do they need? You know, yeah. because a lot of advice too, especially sales advice, and, well, you only do sales, you only get sales if you take care of your customer. You need to give your customers what what they need. But then, okay, we started talking about duality. 
the other side of that is, well, my customers are my customers because I started creating what was genuine to me. Yeah. So I get these people, I get their attention because I'm following my path and being staying genuine. But then after I have them, you're telling me that I need to appease them. And it's just like, well, where is the truth? Well, for me, the truth is the beginning is staying true to your own creativity and being genuine with yourself, you know, because at the end of the day, someone who, uh, who likes your work, they always have a choice. They can unfollow you. They can throw your books away. They can say, hey, I don't like this person. I no longer need this. And you still have to be okay with yourself. And you still have to have closure with yourself with and, and be comfortable with what you're putting out. Yeah. No, I think that's super valuable because I think – and I'm facing this now too, right? It's like is it is it a passion or is it a business and can it be both? You know, and there's almost I, – I totally get that because I feel like I've got a foot in each world where you're like, okay, well, I want to create this really great platform for voices to be heard. But at the same time, you've got to think of – and I, I have to tell you, marketing is the worst. I hate marketing. It's not fun. Um, what I love and where I get lost and where I feel like I am at my absolute best is when I'm in content curation or I'm I'm interviewing people. Because to me, that's <clears throat> thoughts and ideas and that's, it's creation. And that's the part that I love the most. And um, it's just, it's that there is that duality between like, how do you create content um, that, that you can stand behind, right? That's, that's yours. And I've even done that with myself with like, so with Instagram, um, I had a social media company helping me for a while and they were pulling some of my old stuff or I'd write stuff here and there. And what I realized is I was like, no, these are my words. Like I need to write. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fast writer. So like I can write, you know, social media posts for three weeks in like probably an hour. Um, and I was like, no, this has to come from me. And now we've gotten to the point to where it's like I'm writing based on what I'm dealing with in the moment and what I'm thinking about and the conversations I'm having and the guests that I'm having on the show so that it's it's truly um, there's that that genuine, authentic outreach where you're 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 paying attention to the words from a human, not from this little machine behind the scenes. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you. Okay. Go ahead, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, no, and I, I already, I already, yeah, you already moved on. You're like, that thought is gone. Um, yes. so I wanted to ask you, um, based on, you know, your, your life experience and everything that you've learned, um, if you were to give advice to your younger self, how old would you be and what advice would you have? Um, give me a second to process that. Okay. I know a lot of times, you know, when, uh, we do interviews and podcasts. Everyone just, they just know their answers already, but I don't. I need to think about that for a second. Okay. We appreciate that. Um, so, um, my parents were both, were both alcoholics. My mother's still alive. My father passed away and, um, it was it was my father's DUI that really changed uh, like the the synergy of my my uh, my relationships with them and like, my childhood and just our family structure. We were a family of five, and when I look back on my childhood, I pinpoint that DUI as a uh, as like the genesis of the trauma that my, my sister, my brother, and myself went through. Um, and um, if I could give myself any advice. You know, it kind of would be twofold. Um, 
I think the very first thing that I would want to do is give myself advice for yesterday. I, I know that's kind of achievement, the question, but yesterday. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, and that is to, you know, if I find myself in a situation like my mother and father found themselves in where there was stress and like uncertainty and things just was like one thing after another just kind of built up. Um, I would just want to just remind myself to just like try to simplify my life and try to just take it one day at a time and um, try not to stress too much about, you know, just things that don't really matter because you can, you can save a family structure. You know, you can save a marriage if you just like get rid of a lot of the things that are holding it back. Um, like a lot of the negative emotions and the resentment and the, like the need to be right, the need to argue, the need to prove people wrong, just, just really like letting go of that and just trying to live like a compassionate life and just, just trying to look out for each other. I think I would, I would give myself that advice yesterday because I'm, I am about to be a father. My son is going to be born March 4th. Oh, congratulations. And, um, yeah. My biggest fear is just like, uh, I guess failing him in a way. And, um, mm-hmm. You know, I just, I just want to, I just want to try to, you know, be there for him and uh, give him some love and compassion and just, just allow him to live a healthy life. You know, I don't want him to be 30 years from now, uh, who writes books about, you know, all this trauma he had because his dad was this and dad was that. I just just want him to be healthy. You know, I know he's going to have problems and struggles and yeah, I get all that, but I don't want the structure to be problems and struggles. So that's like one of my biggest goals right now. And um, if I could give myself another piece of advice, it would be from college, actually. Because of that, I didn't start drinking until I was 21. Um, even though I was a football player and I was in college and, you know, I went to college when I was 18. I didn't really drink until my third year there. I honestly would just tell myself not to drink at all. Um, I really think some of my worst decisions have been made under the influence of alcohol. And when I like look back on my life, I don't, I don't really like that to be honest with you. I really don't like that. I think that, um, I've hurt people that I cared about because of the decisions I've made on influence alcohol. Um, and I just, I just don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, I don't, I don't think I've ever had a problem with, uh, alcoholism as far as, you know, like being obsessed or just like can't control it, but you're young, you're in college, you do, you do dumb stuff. And um, I would say, like, you know, my biggest regret is, like, this girl I was dating at the time, you know, I uh, because I was drinking, I just made a decision that I really hurt her. And like, I wish I could take that pain away from her, you know, and I wish that it, I wish that I never would have did, you know, what I did to her, you know. That's and that would be my, my biggest regret, you know. So I would just say uh, not drinking at all if I could give myself any advice. Yeah. Well, I come from, um, my mother is an alcoholic, so I completely understand where you're coming from. And it's like that decision to end a cycle and not have it influence your fate. Like it ends with you. And I have the same type of relationship with alcohol where it's, it's like, I, I don't, why? (laughs) Like nothing good comes from it. You get headaches. Um, it's, it's, it's not positive. And I I know it's fun socially, but, um, I think when you've come from a background where you've seen its devastation, you're a lot more sensitive to it and aware of, of its influence. So I totally get that. Um, I just don't know. I don't know the the point. Like I just, like I know that it's a social thing, but when you really think about it, I just don't get the point of like when I write my books, I don't write under any influence whatsoever. I, I don't write. I have a medical marijuana card. I live in Arizona. 
I definitely enjoy marijuana. I enjoy edibles. But when I write, I don't do that. When yeah. I when I when I'm writing, I don't drink. Like I write with a clear, sober mind. And I, you know, in my industry, a lot of you know, a lot of writers they, they get drunk and they write, and that's how they get these ideas. I don't get it. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I just don't get like why this culture is so obsessed with uh, alcohol. And um, it's something I'm trying to figure out. I don't know. Like part of me wants to never drink again. And then part of me also, I'm just like, okay, well, you know, I'm not with a friend or right. brunch, you know, sip a mimosa. It's just, that, I would say that's probably one of my present day struggles is figuring out, I guess, the duality of what makes sense for me. Sure. You know? I absolutely get that. If you were um, transitioning from this life and you wanted to leave behind any gold nuggets of wisdom or inspiration, what would they be? Oh, man. Um, I ask deep questions. <laughs> really, really simple. Um, heal. You have to heal first. You have to heal deeply, man. Especially if you've been through some things, you have to heal. And healing is not something that stops. It's it's a it's a constant process of healing. Uh, and then I think you have to try to chase some type of purpose. Um, and purpose, a lot of times people associate that with some type of job. It doesn't even have to be that. It could be the purpose every day. I'm just going to wake up today and I'm going to try to just be compassionate today. Or I'm going to try to be funny today. I'm going to make people laugh today. Just... Just having some type, something that's guiding you or pushing you. Maybe, maybe you're serving, you know, some spiritual thing or serving your family. Or, you know, serving pancakes at IHOP. I mean, <laughs> it, it, as long as you, you just have some type of purpose that, you know, is bigger than you. It's something that you're giving to, like something that you're giving value to. Uh, and then lastly, I would just say, man, just, just try to have fun. Uh, it's, it's so many things to be serious about and upset about you know i'm a really goofy person so i just try to have fun i make fun of myself a lot and i make fun of people who are around me whichever one that on twitter people don't really seem to to like people making fun of each other but i make fun of everybody i make fun of myself i don't i don't like being so serious Uh, Mm -hmm. you know i'm gonna have a deep conversation with anyone but at the end of the day we need to be able to just talk about each other you know just be be open with each other you know that's just what I like. So I would just say be fun, you know, cultivate some type of daily purpose and heal deep. That's it. I love it. Well, I'm so appreciative of you taking the time to talk to me today and sharing your gold. I, if uh, whoever's listening, if you haven't followed Sylvester, you need to pick up his books. I'm just appreciative of you and your time and how open you were. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening today. Sylvester breathes and exudes soul and authenticity. If you're not following him, you should be. It was a pleasure taking up space with him. You can find him on Instagram at Sylvester McNutt or online at SylvesterMcNutt.com. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. You can find me on Instagram at either ms.janetteschneider or the live movement at loveisviral.media or live at loveisviral.com. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Order my book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.